0: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Chidge, of course. And uh, and also a gentleman, yes, definitely a gentleman, Mr Jonathan oh, Kidd.
1: Thank you, how lovely to be described as a gentleman when I'm a loud, raucous, ungentleman person. Today in particular, I've been singing today, so it's been very good fun. Have you, so, what, what have you been singing? I've been singing my own songs with my uh, my singing act. We've been rehearsing, and it was uh, invigorating and liberating because and regenerative, something I haven't done for two years. And it was uh, great fun, and I've got a lovely group. And oh, uh, we'll be doing some gigs in June, which I'd like to invite uh, anybody who wants to come along to, please yes. come along and
0: us. If this is the Rudy V's, then that is a good, or the Ruddy V's, as I like to call them. That's a, it's a good night out, that's for sure. Yes. It is. It's
1: You're going to be fun. doing the shark song. Uh, of course. Good, good. <laughs>
0: okay, we should stop now, Jake. Otherwise, we'll have half an hour of this. Who else have we got on the show?
1: <laughs> uh, we've got the uh, the um, expert, brainy, um, sweet, uh, terrific, sympathetic uh, Liam Tumey. No, no, no. Sorry, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alex Churchill herself, the lovely one.
3: Oh, mate, I've just been, I've spent the whole week being told what an asshole I am. So that was a bit unexpected. Thank you.
1: No, you do. We lovely. love you, Alex. Alex, we love, we we love you. love you. You <laughs> think you're great. You you're great on this. You're great. You're great, Alex.
3: Come on. <laughs> you Pete. may well get a phone call to- warning you to stay away from me. Uh,
1: okay. Right. I'll do. ignore it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, if even if nobody else loves you, Alex, you know that you can count on me and JK to love you. Unconditional thing to say. No, That's no, horrible. no. It was a lovely cop. She knows exactly what I mean. That's what I it's all it. about, Alex. It really, it really is lovely to see you actually this evening, of all evenings. And uh, who else have we got? Uh, we got a resident uh, journalist this week. We have a resident you journalist do. who goes
1: to Strengths to strength His articles are, are fantastic in the Athletic, and uh, I read one the other day and gave it a, a, an awesome uh, response. It is, of course, the uh, the terrifically informed and eloquent Liam Toomey.
4: Hello, as my longtime agent. J.K. um, I'll I'll defer to your judgment when it comes to the use of the word pulchritudinous. I don't even know what it means.
3: (laughs) I have no idea. Me neither, and I'm I'm a writer, it?
1: It's from the Latin, Latin pulchritudo, meaning beautiful.
0: Okay. There you go. Uh, I I feel I feel I've learnt something, Liam. No doubt you do too. Uh, Liam, we've had you two weeks in a row. What, What have we done to deserve that?
4: I have no idea. Um. Just some j- j- just some proactive schedule planning, I guess
0: <laughs> well, there we go um, i have well i mean we 've all we 've all enjoyed a rather marvelous week of being champions of the world, of course haven 't we and uh you know in in uh, Tuchel's presser today, uh obviously a lot of talk about that, um being a bit selfish as you know, because I spoke to you about it a minute ago, I wrote a piece this week on uh, asperquetta uh and it 's interesting that actually it kind of dovetailed quite nicely with the presser because mine was very much about. You know, maybe we should give uh, Dave a bit of respect, considering he's won it all. But I, actually, I was so impressed with his leadership shown in the game when he kind of, you know, uh, stopped stopped the Palmeiras players getting in with his head. So they were really asking how important he was to Chelsea. I thought Tuchel's comments about that were really interesting, Liam.
4: Yeah, they were. I mean, he, you know, he he spoke incredibly warmly of of Quetta and talking about how he protected Havertz with the penalty. And you know, I thought it was. What he did was really clever. I've had it confirmed that it was Aspilaqueta's idea um, in the moment to, to pretend that he was the taker. So incredible presence of mind from him in a moment like that. And kind of awareness of, of the, the risk of, you know, Havertz being swarmed as he was preparing to take a, a a really crucial penalty. And I I just think generally it, it, that moment kind of encapsulated how Azpilicueta has really grown as a captain. You know, I, I I get there's kind of like a a sort of Jordan Henderson feel to me about him. Um, Henderson obviously replaced Gerrard, uh, Liverpool's most iconic captain ever. I know mean, Gary Cahill had that unenviable task at Chelsea, but it feels like, you know, as Pellicueta has been almost on a similar path where he didn't necessarily seem like the most natural captain. He was more like a lead by example type. Um, when he first got the armband, but he has embraced the role so much on and off the pitch um, to a degree that not only is he now a really a really great leader on the pitch and someone that everyone in the dressing room respects and kind of looks up to, but he's also been a, a phenomenal ambassador for Chelsea um, off the pitch. You look at all the all the work they've done with their you know campaign against anti-Semitism and. And all of the, the community and foundation work they do, he he's always at the front and centre of that um, because he wants to be as much as anything and because he talks so eloquently and, and so maturely about all manner of subjects. And I just think, um, you know, if this does prove to be his final season, his final few months at Chelsea, um, Chelsea will be losing more than just a supremely reliable player who's entering the twilight of his career, I think they'll be losing some really um, important qualities as well.
0: Mm, I definitely agree with that. Um, Alex, sorry, did you want to come in?
3: I was just going to say that I think he's up there on an intellect level as well. He, it, he very much strikes me as being like Petr Cech in the things outside of football. And they're definitely like with the Holocaust Memorial stuff as well. Like he, if he doesn't know it, he wants to understand it and learn it and he's sort of he's brainy i think and that shows and it goes beyond football um and he reminds me of czech in that way
0: i think he, he's studying for an MBA or something isn't he uh liam do you know that he is yeah. um
4: yes he is yeah and he's also got interests you know outside of football he's he's invested in like an esports team in, right. in spain um he, yeah he's just got a very wide range of things going on and when i wrote a big piece about him uh, I think it was probably about 18 months ago now um, about him and his captaincy. You know, things I was told at the time were that a lot of people around him kind of wouldn't have been surprised to see him take up a role at Chelsea after he retires. As Alex says, you know, the, the kind of path we've seen with Petr Cech, you know, um, where I could see him taking up some sort of non non-playing role, maybe not even necessarily as a coach. But something with maybe a little bit more substance than just club ambassador, because I do think he's got, as Alex says, the you know the the intellect and um, yeah, there's certain and, and the general players general qualities do. to do that.
3: Do you think there's certain players that um, you think, oh my god, what are they going to do with themselves when they finish playing football? Because they've literally got like a like I'm I was going to throw Harry Maguire's name out there. He's got a, a head like a slab he'll open coffee. a chip shop. Exactly. Whereas you actually look at someone like Azpilicu and think, man, like, the world is literally his oyster. This is just one phase of a very sort of well-lived, well life. This well-rounded is the beginning. Life. This yeah. It's just the beginning. Yeah. 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 Whereas some yeah. of them you'd like, I mean, you I just, I saw Neil Ruddock and he was like five times the size as he was as a player and looked an absolute wreck of him. <laughs> so I just, I wonder, I think some players, it's the end when they retire and others, it's just the beginning. And and he's got what it takes for it to just to be the beginning of a lot of very interesting
1: things. And it, Interestingly, he, we were quite critical of him when he first became captain because yeah. we didn't think he'd be vocal enough, and uh, and in fact, the very fact there wasn't a banner for him, which uh, you know, the, the, though I, I blow my own trumpet here, but we we put together the the prospect with Brian um, uh, Wolf to actually make the banner, and since then, i uh, not name big drop big him. Big
3: we'll
1: never hear, he never hear the end of it. You'll never hear the end of it. But uh, but no, he's he's actually wants to change the banner because he feels the banner doesn't reflect. The, the success that he's had it, it ought to be either just about or in each instance he's holding the the uh, the Champions League trophy yeah. and uh, i just think the last year he's completely just come to the fore it's been a magnificent ascent to uh, um to a great to 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 greatly to be on a pedestal and i think hugely uh, uh, hugely deserved and also but bizarrely you wonder whether we he would have played as much had um Reece James uh, not been injured and uh, it, and he's 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 been a worthy, well, not worthy. He's 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 had to play uh, at a, at a at a hugely high level over the last few matches, and has been uh, immaculate. So, you know, completely hats off to him. And 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 obviously the influence he has is you don't need to be as as massively vocal on the pitch as we almost believe um, from previous. Uh, and I think the template is JT. Well, you don't mm-hmm. need to be that way. You know, he's 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 it's subtle and it's. And it's intelligent and intellectual and clearly um, in the dressing room as well. So, you know, I, um, uh, in, indeed, the 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 creation, the manifestation of a legend to me. Now that has happened. That oh, has happened. Absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah. Alex, do you want to come in or should we go straight to Liam?
3: Yeah, I was just going to say the same. That I, I really do remember sitting down with you guys and saying, like, just because he's not the same kind of personality as mm. JT doesn't make him a bad captain mm. uh, way back when he first took the role, but. I, I probably did that because I fancied him
0: okay fair that's very honest of you um you yeah. should all go and read my article because I've made broadly similar points but much more no, long f- much sorry. much sorry. no but much more long winded really <laughs> with more spelling mistakes i suspect as well uh Liam, uh, the other uh, topic of conversation, the prep, well, there were many, obviously, but the next one I want to go to is is Kepper, something that was, you know, we were talking about and have been for a, a fair bit. Of course, he didn't, he didn't get picked for the for the final, which I suspected he wouldn't. You know, Tuchel restated that uh, he is the number one keeper. Mendy is the number one keeper. Uh, we are rather blessed because Kepper now looks like the, the the kind of keeper we did spend a lot of money on. He's looking really, really good. Does this does this put Chelsea in a bit of a pickle, Liam, or what?
4: Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a really, really difficult situation now um, because you have Mendy really sort of peaking in his career, um, you know, bit, bit, being a hugely reliable goalkeeper for the European champions, also leading Senegal to the Africa Cup of Nations. He's had a fantastic two two years. Um, and as you say, I think you know Kepper. If you just looked at him in isolation, and you weren't considering what was paid for him and, and what he went through, and you know, during Lampard's time, you would say, yeah, you'd have no problem with this guy being the number one goalkeeper for just about any team in Europe. You know, he's not—he's not making terrible mistakes. There's still the maybe the occasional shot that, that people might look at and go, "Well, Mendy might save that just by virtue of being bigger," but. He's making excellent saves. Um, his distribution looks a lot more solid. He just looks a lot more confident, comfortable within himself. But <laughs> he's playing like a number one goalkeeper at a club where he is no longer the number one and he has no clear path to becoming the number one again. Um, and, you know, we had the very credible reports over the last week or two that, you know, Chelsea would listen to offers for him. Um, this summer, regardless of his upturn in form, to a certain extent, I think that's kind of irrelevant because I think they would have listened to offers for him for a long time. Um, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, what kind of offer would it take for Chelsea to accept? Because um, they're obviously not going to get anything like the 71 million pounds they paid for him. He was vastly he was vastly overpriced on the day he was signed. Uh, never mind what's happened since. So, what price would it take for to be acceptable to Chelsea? And w- what club uh, A is in need of a starting goalkeeper, and B uh, is prepared to match, you know, Chelsea money, Chelsea first team money. I just think the market forces are all they're all stacked against um, Chelsea finding an acceptable deal to to let Kepa go, and yet. There is no clear pathing to be the number one. This it's not sustainable to have a guy on his on his contract as your number two goalkeeper, as well as he's playing, and you know as much as a as much of a luxury as it is to be able to bring him on for a penalty shootout and have him save two or three kicks. I just don't. It's not a sustainable long term situation. But I don't really see how Chelsea get out of it.
3: Interesting, Alex. I was just going to say that for all our smuggery about the fact that we constantly have this problem with goalkeepers, do you not think it's just evened out by our perennial ability to break every striker we sign? This <laughs> humble, man.
1: I actually think he's better on the ball uh, than Mendy is. I think he's better dealing with um, the ball being passed to him and finding players. Um, I thought I think he's been brilliant actually the last few weeks absolutely brilliant and uh, um, because we had the sight of uh, of um, of Mandy um, uh, having a bit of panic and kicking the ball out again which he seems to do a couple of times when something has gone wrong in defence which is just something I'm being immensely critical here because I think they're both. Um, they're both terrific. And Mondi is clearly one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But I just it was intrigued to see that he just seems to be very settled on the ball. You know, and congratulations to the backroom staff. I presumed, I didn't realise that it was, um, they had two, uh, uh, my, forgive my ignorance, two um, uh, goalkeeping coaches. What uh, You were saying, um, what's it? What's his name? William Harrison, did you say his name was? Um, Liam? The, uh,
4: no, no, no. Uh, Similar, J.K. James Russell.
1: Yes, very similar. <laughs> yes, yes, very, very. Well, who's William Harrison? Somebody, some schoolmaster <laughs> from my youth, no doubt. Uh, William Harrison and Hilario, of course. Yeah, yeah. James Russell and and Hilario, um, and Hilario has a role. is he not as well to play
4: in that? So Hilario is the senior goalkeeper. Oh, and right, James Russell right. is is the guy that. And kind of Chelsea promoted through the ranks, and is now kind of right, right, right. Good the, to... the assistant I goalkeeping
1: coach for the first team. Yeah. Good. I'm now looking up William Harris. Okay.
4: Well, well bring, bring it, bringing it,
0: bringing it, not just up to JK's current, and and uh, as well as our current. Uh, Mount's injury was the one kind of uh, bummer of the, of the evening uh, last weekend, wasn't it, Liam? So any clue as to how long he's going to be out for? I mean, obviously he's not going to be fit for tomorrow and I presume he's going to miss the Lille game. Is there some hope? Is, is the hope that he'll make the Caribou Cup final realistic?
4: Yeah, so I was told earlier in the week, um, a couple of days after the Club World Cup final, that two to three weeks was the time frame. Um, it's it's apparently a very similar ankle ligament injury to the one he suffered in Lampard's full season. Mm. Do you remember when yeah. he got tackled by Francis Coquelin yeah. in that game against Valencia? He played five days later against Liverpool, and, and we were stunned at the time because he looked in, in incredible pain. Then he probably shouldn't have played on that occasion. Yeah. On this on this occasion, Chelsea are being, you know, more conservative with his recovery. Um, I was told two to three weeks. Two weeks would basically be bang on the League Cup final. So he he is essentially hoping, and Chelsea and Tuchel are essentially hoping that you know he's a quick healer, and that he makes the the optimistic end of that of that time frame. But you know it, it, you don't know you don't know how quickly the body's going to recover itself. It is it's not nothing. It was a painful injury. It was painful enough for him to have to come off. Um, so. Two weeks to me, especially coming back into a game of such intensity against the team as good as Liverpool, feels a little bit ambitious, but I'm I'm sure he's going to strain every sinew to try and do it.
0: No, I don't doubt that. JK?
4: I'd uh,
1: love to have him back. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's he's essential to me. His enthusiasm and uh, and, and skill and excellence is, Mm. is essential cog in the team if he. If He can make it, he makes it. But yeah, I, I'm, I, these powers of recovery seem to be superhuman to me. Yeah, how he can do that,
0: he is one of the most key players. I mean, it, it, I think there's one shame about it, which actually, you know, kind of does loop back into the press, Liam, But I, I've been saying recently, maybe what Tuchel's trying to do is to kind of go really with uh Havertz and uh Lukaku up front and you know. I think Mount is the other one in that three. I mean, I know Ziyech has played a lot recently. So if if his plan was to try and get this settled front three that they were talking about in the presser today, that for me would be it. So, I mean, if Mount's out, it's a shame for Tuchel that he can't have this settled front three that he's looking at. But of course, I mean, Pulisic, I thought, played really, really well against uh, Palmeiras. So it's an opportunity for him or, or, or Ziyech to continue Ziyech's good form, of course, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I think, it, you know, if you were looking for positives, it would be that if you were going to lose Mount for a little bit of time or, or for a game as important as this one, at least it comes at a time when some of the other attackers are showing signs of life. You know, Lukaku's got himself a couple of goals and maybe the the first semblance of some rhythm again. Havertz, I think, has looked good um, just next to him, kind of you know, intelligent movement, linking things together. Uh, Ziyech has had a good run and, and seems to be building some sort of understanding with Lukaku my, my impression of Tuchel's thinking was that if he was going to play a back four um, he would very much want to play Ziyech, you know that, that sort of four two two two, 2 um, probably Ziyech off the right and someone like Mount or Hudson-Odoi off the left with, with Havertz and Lukaku up front if it's a back three I think he feels that Ziyech isn't quite as suited to a front three in that system um so maybe that could open the door for someone like Pudisic to play up with Havertz and, and Lukaku it'll be really interesting to see what Tupul does as ever he has a lot of options but none of them are sort of um pinning their names to the wall uh and saying you have to pick me so it, he has a lot of different ways he can go I,
1: I didn't understand why he didn't pick Zayac for the final he mentioned it in the presser didn't he that uh um it, it just wasn't work, it didn't work out or something. I don't know what he said at the time, um, because he's been playing him all the time, and uh, uh and it wasn't as if he played a three because he didn't. Oh, no, he did play a three, didn't he? You're right, he played a three yeah. in the final, didn't he? Well, that would be the reason, therefore, Jonathan, duh, why he didn't play uh, Zayek. Absolutely, that would make sense. Yes, because he plays better in the four-two-two-two. 2 too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think, I think, um, it's interesting, isn't it, when suddenly. The players that you've been a bit worried about because they haven't been showing form suddenly come on and, and, and play out of their skins. I thought Sick was excellent in the final. I thought he really had a very good game. Um uh, and, and I'm pleased for him to do so because, you know, he's been struggling a bit. And yet you then thought, hang on, this is exactly the kind of thing that he needs to do in a big game. And he's he's come to the fore. I wish he'd scored that goal. When it was just a tiny margin, he seems to get to very good positions like that, and always put the thing wide. The number of times he does it, you just say, oh, come on, just just get in the corner, come on." But the fact he's there, and the fact that he he made some very good dribbles, he didn't seem to worry about being fouled as much as he has in the past, and just got on with it, and was uh, and was very industrious and was and skillful. I, I I was very pleased for him. I think it, I hope it does his. Um, I hope he just see a. Uh, uh, you know the graph gets higher with his his progress because uh, he's he's gone through a hard time recently.
0: Yeah, I'm, I really do. I'd love to see that player that we had before that injury in the yeah. FA Cup final. But I think it's interesting, Liam, that you know Tuchel's beginning to work out. I mean, you could say, well, why is it taking him so long? I suppose, but he is now working out which players will will work better in which particular systems. I'm quite interested to hear you talking about, you know. Zayic in a four but not a three I mean that th- this is this is really what we need to be doing I think isn't it
4: yeah and I think the process was delayed quite a lot by Lukaku's ankle injury in the autumn mm. um, because he was the big knee piece that they had to try and fit in and the piece that sort of required that they they tweak their attacking identity a bit and the fact that he was the, the fact that he was out for so long it meant that they had to basically become The team they were last season in attack again um which we know is effective against a lot of teams but doesn't necessarily generate a ton of goals um so i think now that lukaku's back and now that he's beginning to look physically you know closer to to his proper shape um i think that that process begins again in earnest and and tuchel's thoughts are i think just evolving constantly evolving on on lots of these guys Mm -hmm. um and i I, as we said, because none of them have really, you know, banged down his door and said, you know, I'm indispensable uh, with the possible exception of Mount. Um, I think they've all still got a chance to do that in the in the weeks ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, now, one thing that interesting, I mean, I learned this today, but funnily enough, so did Thomas Tuchel, didn't he? About the fact that they've changed the, uh, the vaccination laws in France, which means that because, I mean, we were all reading a week or so ago that... Um, the unvaxed Chelsea players would not be able to go over there, but apparently now they will, providing they test negative. Is that is that is that actually correct? I mean, Thomas Tuchel looked surprised to hear that, but quite relieved, I think, didn't
4: he? I must admit, I haven't personally looked into this um, this afternoon, so I can't be a hundred percent sure. Uh, you know i i take I take the the journalists who asked the question on good faith that they've done their research and that that's was it. The, was it that's William Har- I-
0: was it William Harrison?
4: France are about
3: to overhaul they are because you're no longer even vaccinated people won't need to do the test now so it's like literally because right right now people can get to the battlefields in Belgium but France is the stumbling block where you still have to PCR test it's all France's laws all change um, I think today
4: I see yeah we're in a weird place as football journalists where we've got to be constantly studying these (laughs) these COVID travel rules for different different countries. Um, and there's no doubt it would have been it would have been a very awkward situation for Chelsea to navigate, not least, not least because, you know, football in general, big football clubs in general have taken the approach of not publicising who is and is not vaccinated. And it it would essentially be, you know, <laughs> the, the unvaccinated players would be outed, if nothing else by circumstance. Um, if they had to sit out a trip like that, unless you know the club tried to claim s- sort of spurious injuries. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, so it's this
3: like d- Kurt Zuma and his suddenly feeling unwell before kickoff. <laughs> well,
4: yeah, yeah. So this does make things a lot simpler. I'm sure if if, if this is the case now, if things are being relaxed in France. Then um, it will be a weight off Tuchel's mind. It will be a weight off Chelsea's mind, and and a few players that haven't had the jab will now get a chance to. To, to play in that game. We don't know who they are, of course, so we don't know how important it would have yeah. been uh,
0: yeah. either way. Very interesting, isn't it? Right. I'm going to, I'm going to round this little bit up, Liam, with a, with a a, a flagrant bit of uh, self-promotion, not for me, but for you, because I did read your brilliant article on these fringe uh, medal players today. And I do remember when I watched last weekend, um, how it did make me giggle to see, uh, you know, Kennedy go up and get a medal I mean, that was the most farcical one. Ross Barkley, go up and get a medal. I mean, he probably had more claim to one. And equally, I thought it was really interesting to see Ben Sherwell try and refuse his medal. I mean, he bloody deserved one. But anyway, so tell us a little bit about your piece because it was a cracker today.
4: Well, yeah, it was just, um, you know, we ran it on The Athletic earlier this week. It was, uh, I was kind of asked to write a a little bit of a shorter piece in reaction to the game. And it, I I thought I'd do a slightly light, more lighthearted, quirkier, um, article just because it was something that struck me and i tweeted it at the time that that medal's a right result for kennedy and <laughs> <laughs> um, because even within the sort of you know grand scheme of of, of players who don't feature that much but get involved but are involved in these celebrations he was quite a funny one because he's only been back at chelsea a month he hasn't played a minute and not only that in a different world, he would have been playing against Chelsea in this game because Flamengo, the team he's on loan at, <laughs> lost the Copa Libertadores final to Palmeiras in ex- extra time. So he wasn't that far off being a potential opponent, never mind uh, getting a winner's medal. But yeah, yeah so the, the, the piece was essentially talking about um, hang around Chelsea long enough, <laughs> hang around the first team. Uh, and you're you're bound to be involved in, in these celebrations sooner rather than later. They kind of they you look back through the photos of the old Premier League and Champions League celebrations and Europa League celebrations. They're all, they all tend to be sort of snapshots of where the squad was in that time. And they all contain some sort of combination of young up and coming players um, that have maybe been in- included in the first team bubble for, for the trip. Uh, that that happened with, with Conor Gallagher at the Champions League last year.
1: Yeah, he's there, yeah. Uh,
4: yeah, uh, um, um, that was an amazing thing for him. Billy Gilmore and Tino, Tino Andrin as well. I oh, know, sorry, Conor Gallagher was Baku, sorry. Um, so you have a combination of young players, um, old grizzled veterans like Rob, Hero, Baku, Green. Um, <laughs> and, and kind of guys in the middle like Kennedy, like Ross Barkley. Well, Ross Barkley's played a few more first team minutes this year, but, you know, guys who are kind of not clearly in Chelsea's long-term plans, but just sort of on the fringes of the squad at at the right time. Um, And it's, you know, it's kind of saying that if you ask Tuchel or Klopp or one of these modern coaches, modern elite coaches about it, I think they would push hard back against any suggestion that these guys don't deserve their rewards. Um, There was actually a quote from Klopp when Liverpool won the league title saying that every member of the squad deserves a medal um, because if you don't have everyone driving standards in training every day, um, it's impossible to achieve, to get to the level you need to get to, to to do something like this. And even if they don't end up playing, just the fact that they're staying ready um, is important and a, and a contribution
1: you never know they might then find themselves playing in the first team if there've been a couple of injuries so it's it's uh, it's essential that they are as you say they're prepared
0: but there is a lot of sense in this and also some recent weirdly some recent present because if you remember you know way back when in the world cup final in 66 the only players to get medals were the 11 that made it onto the pitch and it took years to campaign to get the squad given medals like they are now in that
1: era, Richard, you were considered a failure yeah. if you didn't take part in the final. You know, it was the poor old Jimmy Greaves. He was, that was a, a, a blight on his on his career. It was a, a low point for him, which he never, from, from an international point of view, he never recovered from, right. him, despite having a completely wonderful career in every other aspect. Yeah. Whereas now, well, it's, and, and he was injured to be part of the squad, you know?
4: Well, and different players feel differently about it. Like, you know, I, I remember Roy Keane saying that he didn't want any. Any part of Manchester United's 1999 Champions League final winners' medals because, in his mindset, you know he hadn't played in the final, he hadn't earned it. So it was yeah, yeah, yeah. typical, key, typical Keen, ludicrously harsh, harsh, um, albeit on himself because he was huge for them in that run. But I the, think he's got the that Chelsea, kind of- Chelsea.
1: Sorry,
4: yeah, no, it. no, and a Chelsea example which I, I used in the article was Lukaku in 2012. You can see him in the back of the pictures in Munich. Um, kind of looking a little bit sheepish, like he doesn't really know what to do. And and he was he was annoyed at the time that he wasn't getting any first-team opportunities at Chelsea um, and said so afterwards and said that, you know, he, he was offered the trophy in the back of the bus and turned it down because he's, I didn't feel like I was part of it at all. And, you know, some players are happy to revel in the moment and enjoy it. And I think that's a very healthy mindset. And some players just don't feel they can because the the attitude that's got them that far is the same one that's telling them no you have to be an important player on a team not just part of the squad um, so it, it just depends on the individuals really
1: the yeah. one that annoyed me was um, was it Carrado was it him who plays for Juventus was it what's his name
4: Quadrado, yeah Quadrado,
1: who was um, in the team bus having having uh, whenever he'd come on he'd been completely useless and yet there, <laughs> there he was uh, uh, <laughs> Just drinking in all the adulation when he came past, and I almost felt like going, "Oi, what are you doing up there? You did nothing." But it And was then it.
3: look at the amount of crap Terry took for going or having played all the way through the Munich Cup run, yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. only yeah.
3: not playing in the final. All yeah. the crap he took for Happy lifting the trophy, that.
1: but he got the crap because he was John Terry.
3: Yeah, exactly, and yet. Oh. Uh, quadrado can sit there guzzling from the trophy it's
0: bonkers isn't it um thankfully liam you're not bonkers i mean i'm sure you're more bonkers having spent some time with us but uh, generally you're a very sane chap and it's always lovely and delightful to have you on the show um thank you so much as always and we're going to see you again in a
4: couple of weeks i think yeah nice one thanks guys thanks for having me back and i'll speak to you soon
0: always a pleasure mate you take care enjoy the weekend i'm sure you will there you go. Liam Toomey from The Athletic, a great old friend of ours. Always love to have him on the show. Uh, now, we're going to go to uh, uh, part two in a second. But before we do, uh, I can tell you that this week's at football underscore prizes, that's on Twitter, obviously, competition is the chance to win. Get a load of this. A Romelu Lukaku signed and framed Chelsea boot with LED lights. I kid I like you, it. no, no, the, the boots don't, no, not like that. It's in a box.
1: Get where he found his way to the goal. It well, I was
0: going, you. maybe that was what he should have. But it's in this kind of glass presentation box. Ooh. And I think it means that there are LED lights in there that light it up. Ooh. It's quite fancy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I quite like that. So there you go. If you want to win that, and why wouldn't you? Uh, the tickets are £3.95 each. And the draw will end at 7.30pm on Monday, the 21st of February. So next Monday, £3.95 each for a ticket. You can buy as many as you want. There are only 99 up for grabs, so there is a limit on it. So, you know, don't don't dither if you want in on this. You better get on there now. And you go to uh, footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Lukaku. they spelled it wrong as well. They're not good at their spelling up here in, in the north, are they? They spelt it Lukaka. so l-u-k a-k-a hyphen boot all right i will put this on twitter so you don't have to spell it wrong and therefore not or spell it right and get in you know what i mean sounds a great prize anyway so i'll put up on twitter later do take part and have some fun right we're going to be back in a minute away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Chidge! JK! In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on
1: TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable, the thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs>
5: fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast total nutters and proper Chels
1: Fancast.com
0: Uh, Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, and the absolutely lovely and delightful Ms. Alexandra Churchill. Whoop, whoop. There we go. Whoop, whoop to you, too. Now it's time for this
4: The Opposition View.
0: That's right opposition view our favourite bit of the show i have to say it really is our favourite bit of the show and uh, particularly when we see an old friend who we've seen plenty of plenty of times before we've got the lovely chris hambling from back of the nest how are you dear boy
5: oh as you know wonderful full of the uh, the joys of the season and uh not in any way suffering with a cold but really glad to be back on here and uh, to see your wonderful faces it's uh, always a pleasure that's
0: very kind very very kind isn't it we don't normally get that response on opposition <laughs> view but there you go um Chris, I mean, you know, it's weird, isn't it? I think it was, we, it was our first game of the season when we played mm. you, wasn't it? Which I mean, I remember that very well because I was so—I hadn't been back since the COVID lockdown, so I was like just—I was like a little boy going to his first football match, super mm. excited. And of course, we won, and Chiloba scored, which was great. But you, I mean, you know, there was all the talk beforehand of Vieira's come in; he's going to be really brilliant. And and you looked as a side well out of your depth. Uh, mm. In that match, and, and I was thinking, well, maybe Palace might go down this season. But yeah. after you got us out of the way, you started playing really, <laughs> really well. You know, Conor Gallagher, you know, who we all thought was good, looks even better than good, and yeah. Palace are looking. Oh, you know, they'll be, they'll do all right this season. But it's all gone a bit Pete tong recently. I mean, I don't. I think you've you've yeah. not won in five league games. So what what's what's been responsible for that?
5: It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I did I did reflect a little bit on the on the first game of the season, and I had a look back at the the team and the system we picked, and it it did make me laugh. You know, we we turned up first game of the season under Vieira and tried to kind of play the same way we played under Roy, which um, you know I think Vieira learnt so much from that Chelsea game, and that's why we we kicked on so well after it. Gallagher, as you say, was a big plus point in that, but I think there's a couple of things we've been found out a little bit. Um, you know. In the in the last few weeks, I think you know in terms of the way we approach the game, the kind of dynamism from midfield. But there's also been a you know a few things creeping in here and there that are a little mysterious, and we've seen before. So if you start Jeffrey Schlip in central midfield, you, you in my view, you're starting yourself a player down, um, and I think that's been a, a factor since Che Kiyote went to to the Afcon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have struggled because that's meant that, you know, Gallagher's doing more of an all-round job in midfield. He's not getting forward as much. Um, and we're not seeing a lot of forward passing. And, you know, the, the, so the structure went a little bit, you know, you you miss what Zaha gives you uh, when he's not playing as well. And he takes up, you know, a lot of the opposition attention. And so a lot of that space has disappeared in the last few weeks. But under Vieira, you know, we've, we've done so, so well. We've moved so quickly, you know much quicker than we thought we would but there are still questions that we had probably three four weeks into the season that need answering and those questions are how do we get the ball in the back of the net more often uh, and what do we do about the weak areas that we what we do have you know particularly you know our weakest area in my view is is at right back uh, and joel Ward is is still playing at a decent level there but the mistakes are there. The lack of pace is there. And we haven't solved that problem either for, for a variety of reasons. So a lot to do for us.
0: It must it must drive you up the wall. I mean, my, my two favourite Palace... I mean, I don't often have favourite Palace moments, to be brutally honest with you. <laughs> but I've got to say, this season... I mean, obviously, I think a lot of Chelsea sports have been watching a lot more of Palace this season, largely because of Mark Gay and and particular uh, Connor Gallagher. But my, my two favourite Palace moments of this season were you beating Man City... And thumping Spurs 3-0. I don't think I've laughed oh, yeah. that, that loudly for a long time, you know. <laughs> but it must drive you up the wall that if you can put in performances like that and then, you know, you can lose to anybody else. So it's that consistency, I think, that must must be very difficult to to deal with. Yeah, inconsistency.
5: exactly. It is, it is tough. It is tough to, to deal with, but it, it's a lot easier to deal with when you're playing, you know, on the whole, decent football. You know, but we had the same issue last time, the last few years under Hodgson, and it was hard to watch the football. When you're seeing a team that's creating a lot and not necessarily putting it away and making some fairly naive mistakes, it's frustrating. But overall, the the picture that we're looking at is so much better. Vieira has actually, you know, he really has done an incredible job to get a a team playing possession-based football, you know, moving the ball, being confident enough to play out from the back, you know it's cost us a few times you know it it, it has but just give me so, you know, I, I will take that all day i will take that for you know for the next five years being inconsistent if i never have to watch a game where we play beneath ourselves again and you know as a as a as a tactic that's where we were it was tactically everybody play beneath yourselves and uh, that was really really tough um so yeah, I, I'm I'm not at the point where some people are a little frustrated and are, are very much focusing on the negatives. I'm not there. Um, you know, Vieira's earned um a you know a fair crack at a whip, in my opinion. And um, you know, I'm actually still pretty excited. I watch us and I think, God, we're we're one, two, maybe three little tweaks away in a a bit of investment from really pushing, you know, pushing up in that that top ten and really starting to make an impact here, because we can
1: turn in performances where we're out footballing very good teams yeah. Yeah, but Chris tricky. is it just a problem with the strikers because you it's in fact it's our problem They're the same thing isn't yeah. it we're, we're terrific at, um, at playing in the first two thirds of the pitch and when uh, we can't get the ball in the net is it that Benteke and Zaha just aren't aren't good enough is that the problem yeah,
5: I, do, I mean it's one of those weird things isn't it we, you know I, I always pinpoint so if you stick Benteke on the pitch right Benteke as a striker you know what you need to do you need to get the ball on his head in, in the penalty area, right? Um, but we don't set our play up to do that when he's on the pitch, you know. <laughs> you, you take him off or you start Mateta and you'll we'll be thumping crosses in left, right and centre. Second he comes on that pitch, <laughs> everybody goes, all right, okay, no no need to put the ball in the box anymore. Um, but uh, you're absolutely right. That that magical, you know, that striker, you can throw all sorts of money at it. And, you know, you know, you've got, you guys have got Lukaku who hasn't scored for a while, has he? But... But, you know, you know he's a fantastic striker when, when he's
1: Well, I like confident. my footballers like Benteke. what you know? ball is in the right place, Benteke does well. Yeah, exactly you know, I've right. always felt that about him, you know, whoever he's played for. Yeah. So
5: it's, um, you know, we've we've taken a bit of a pun on a couple of players. We made the, the signing of Mateta permanent. And if you told me that two months ago, I'd have laughed because, you know, he, there was barely a footballer there, let alone a, a Premier League footballer. And just out of nowhere, he just, I think he got wind of the fact that this opportunity was passing him by, you know, and um, and he's just turned turning into um, a bit more of an all-round player, you know, he's starting to see the hold-up play, I think he's learned a bit from Benteke there, um, and he's always had a bit of flair about him as a finisher, and he's actually putting the work in now, so that could be an interesting one, if he turns out, you know, if he, if he can up that level, you know, 20-30%, we might actually, be, uh, might actually be troubling some teams, but Scoring the goals—that's the hardest thing. That's that's why the strikers earn the biggest money. You pay the biggest, you know, fees for the for the players who put the ball in the back of the net. And um, yeah, we are struggling with that. Too many draws,
1: like you've had recently. Yeah, I've liked watching Hughes in the past. Is he doing okay for you?
5: Yeah, um, he is. I, I mean, I think people are a little confused about where you know where he is best suited in that midfield. He's turned in some tremendous performances, but again, another who's who's suffered a little bit by. Uh, you know, Kiarte dropping out, uh, Luka Milivojevic's form has just fallen, you know, beneath championship really? level, he just, right. he, you know, he's, he's got no place in that team right now, and it's a shocker, it really is, I don't know what happened, uh, but it's just, you know, he's, he's just lost whatever he had, He's, he looks incredibly slow, and he, we just can't pick him right now, so oh, wow. as I say, Jeff Schlupp is, is playing in the centre there, and that means Will Hughes has got a lot of work to do
1: and it means Conor
5: Gallagher's got a lot of work to do unfortunately. It's he's so, a, a,
1: a industrious and and skillful actually whatever, whatever team he's played for you know I've Just always that's been, it been better
5: better footballer than people kind of realise I think you know technically really really good when he came through I think it was Derby wasn't he originally started yeah. at, and, yeah. Uh he was all about being an attacking midfielder you know dangerous on the ball and, and he's added tenacity to his game and he was talking the other day saying his favourite position now is that kind of anchor position where he wants to do a bit of playmaking but also some tough tackling and he you know love him to bits so I think you know our best midfield three has him Gallagher uh, and probably James MacArthur in it at the moment uh, you, know, you look
1: like, at you look at teams and you people impress and you think you know I'd like them to do well I'm always keen if, if even in a team you don't support and, uh, and and he's a player that I've always thought was has put in some really good performances. You just think, oh, he's a, he's a canny player. Wish him well, you know.
0: So, Chris, I mean, you know, talking of Gallagher, I mean, obviously, we, we, we all want to desperately know what you think of him and, and how he's been doing this year. But, uh, I mean, and I think we know the answer to that. But I want to ask you anyway. But with that in mind, I mean, how, how big a miss is he going to be for you tomorrow?
5: Oh, massive. Um, you know I, know, I know it was early days, but in that first game of the season that he played, I think you'd have seen a different palace. He makes that much of a difference to the side. Um, again, I think people have worked us out and to a degree worked him out. So we'll see what he's really made of in terms of of how he adapts to being, cl- you know, watched closer. You know, his runs are being blocked off. He's he's being pushed and pushed. You know, they'll either have a player on him or they or they try and get him caught up with defensive work. So you know, he's got to find a way to get back out of that um, and, and into the you know late arrivals in the box, driving runs, that kind of stuff. But when he's in full flow and he's confident, he's just fantastic to watch. You know, there isn't a weakness in that game. When you look at Conor Gallagher and you look at, you trying to pick out what's he not so good at. There's nothing, absolutely nothing. He can do it all. You know, he he is truly a box to box midfielder. He will run all day. He never looks tired ever. Like, you know, 94th minute, he will be sprinting if he needs to sprint. And, um, you know, I, I just I someone at your end of things goes absolutely mad and buys another couple of central midfielders and just, you know, funds it by letting us have him. But there'll be a a huge queue of clubs if that's the case, I think. But um, it's been a brilliant season for him. Uh, You know, I hope recently, you know, I hope things haven't, it's not him going off the boil or anything like that. Um, I don't think so. I just think he needs the right, I think it proves he needs the right players around him. You know, he's not going to, you know, he's not a one-man team. Um, at all uh, he needs he needs at least one player sitting behind him um, you know and 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 he needs some really good technical support around him he needs to be able to play close with players who can receive the ball at pace uh, and and have the vision that he has and make the runs that he needs to to find so but you know he's every bit better Chelsea player in, in my view in terms of the quality that you look for and you, you should be excited to get him back next year
0: Hugely. Absolutely. hugely. Ooh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, ooh, I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote an article early. I think it might have been after the City game, funnily enough. But, um, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we, we've been saying since Mount turned up on the scene, oh, you know, homegrown, blah, 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 could be the successor to Frank Lampard. But Mount is not nowhere. He's just nothing like Lampard as a player, player at all. Completely, completely, completely different, player. different player. But I tell you what, I don't think Gallagher is. You know, because Frank was a proper box-to-box midfielder and basically had it all. I actually think that Gallagher's technically better, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, because Frank wasn't the most talented player in the world. He worked harder and he made himself better. But I think Gallagher's got natural ability. But the way they score their goals, I think that, that for me is what did it. The way he puts the ball away, Frank Frank had that. And that's, that's mm. you know, you can't, I mean, I know you can practice it, but that's innate, isn't it? And I think he's got it.
5: Yep. That's yeah, that's it. It's, it's a logical comparison to me as well. I said it to to a friend of mine who supports Chelsea, probably about you know six seven weeks into the season, and and I and I, I said I, I you know that's your Lampard, that's that's your Lampard replacement right there. Is that the same thing you said. He's a, probably a better footballer as well, yeah. um, which is you know it it sounds like hyperbole because of how great a player Lampard was, but it's it's really not when you see him play.
0: Well, their 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 uh, progression. Is, you know, there's a there's an interesting parallel there. I mean, I know Frank got into the West Ham team a, a lot younger and obviously Gallagher's not played for Chelsea yet, but they're about on par in terms of stats at the same age and they have both made their England debuts around the same age as well. So maybe it's not as daft as we might think it is. Um, I mean, you do have, you might not have Gallagher tomorrow, obviously, but you do have Zahar and K- uh, Kuyate back from uh, the yep. African Cup of Nations. You must be pleased about that.
5: Definitely. And, um, you know, it was an interesting one. With with Wilf coming back and playing uh, last time out, where he was taking a lot of stick from uh, from the fans, because th- I mean, there's you know, there's been something of a split in what I would call newer fans versus those of us that have been around a while. Those of us that have been around a while and have seen Zaha come up through the academy as a kid know that he is our best ever footballer you know there's no two ways about it and you you can't tell us oh, otherwise come on
0: not as good as Vince Hilaire surely
5: oh sorry yeah I mean obviously well, Vince Kenny Sanson is, uh, <laughs> uh, well I mean you know what I mean I, I, nothing gets me uh, off my seat as much as uh, as Wilfred Zaha and um, you know Whatever people think of him, you know, it's he, he's just incredible, incredible talented player. But, but you know, last week he was getting some stick from some sections of the support, and people were saying he sh- should never have brought him back. Nobody deserved to be dropped. Um, and then out of nowhere, you know, just just puts in an absolute beauty, and reminds you of, of what he's got. And then we had the penalty. So, it's been a bit of a strange time for him at the minute. And I think, you know, he's he's not the influence he once was. But I think that's purely because we've got better players now. And it's kind of what he's been crying out for his whole career is giving that opportunity to play alongside better players. And it's interesting that the result of that is that his kind of star is is not shining quite so brightly rather <laughs> than him kicking on, going that extra level. But, you know, I'll never say a bad word about Wilf. He's, he's fantastic. Great to have him back. And I think, you know, if we're going to do anything, in that game, it's it's going to be if Zahar is on fire and and has that that you know that motivation and Kiyate, he's got to come back into that midfield. You know, if I, I tell you this right now. If that team lineup comes in tomorrow and you guys see us start Jeffrey Schlipp in central midfield, three points to you, and you can you can pretty much you'll hear me turning the, the TV <laughs> off from my from my living room or wherever. You know what I mean? You'll you'll hear that because I just I've, I'm done with it. You know. <laughs> Uh, but there you
0: go. Oh, It's interesting stuff. I mean, actually does it, does it, it'll be his 250th uh, game for Palace. Yeah. I think, if he starts tomorrow.
5: Yeah, I think so. I think it's two hundred fiftieth start and, and it's an incredible um, thing to see, to see that. Oh dear. I, you know, I, I I'm so glad he's played that much for Palace. Mm-hmm. So, so glad, but you know, should it have been the case? Probably not. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a weird one for me. I think, you know, there's, there's a bit of waste in there. But I think it just goes to show you it's not just about talent. It's about personality and mentality and maturity as well. And I think different and there's no criticism for, for anybody there. Different people mature at different rates, at different levels and, and have different upbringings, and different personalities. And, you know, you, you sometimes don't get the breaks as well when you need them. So, um, but, you know, very much Palace is gained in that respect.
0: Interesting stuff. So then, Chris, how, how do you see it going tomorrow?
5: I think it'd be a tough one you know uh, given the recent form from everybody I think it draws you know <laughs> a fair bit it's not uh, a bad shout at all I you know it, and if I was going to be really facetious about it I'd say we'll put in one terrible 45 minutes and uh one decent 45 minutes and it'll probably be first half terrible second half decent um and if we turn if we turn that up, turn up and do that against yourselves I think you know you'll probably be a couple of goals to the good by half time and It'll probably probably end that way. Um, so my brain says 2-0 Chelsea. If I'm gonna go with my heart and the good palace is gonna turn up and we're gonna fire without Gallagher and um, you know, I think, you know, heart says we might scrape a 1-1. A mm.
0: You might you might catch us cold, Chris. That's what I would say. I mean, having you know, literally actually, having been out in Abu Dhabi and doing all that for the last couple of weeks, we haven't had a Premier League game since the Spurs game. Uh, that they don't really count anymore because they're so rubbish so you know you might you might you might catch us cold tomorrow that's my concern
5: well fingers crossed but obviously it's another another trophy it might not be one that people talk about that much well, but what, 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 a... what
0: do you I mean it'd be interesting to hear because we, we've all been talking about uh, amongst ourselves and we think it's the best thing ever but you know it'd be interesting to hear what somebody who doesn't support Chelsea thinks of it actually
5: I forgot it existed um Shame, I really did, shame, yeah. uh, but no. Obviously, it's a big, talk, you know, it's a big thing. The Club World Cup as a concept is an amazing thing, but it it's not, it's not on a Palace fans' radar. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, for good reason. Yeah. So well, it's uh, not not
0: on many clubs' radars, to
5: be fair. No. No, exactly. Yeah. But it's a great achievement to have won it, and the problem, you, I suppose, the problem you get is really, I, I as a yeah, you know, I, I am obviously massively interested in football and spend a lot of my free time dealing with it. But I don't really have any concept of how good Palmeiras are. I don't have any good concept of how good most of the teams in that in that competition are. Um, so whether it, you know, I feel it's obviously a good achievement, but but it's kind of not really uh, not really where my focus is. But I, mean, it, I mean, trophy.
0: Ha- having watched it, and I and I, you know, also been very aware of it and its previous iterations for some bizarre kind of geeky reason really i kind of was very aware of it in the 70s for for example but um what i would say is this is that we all went into it expecting that that, that, you know we don't worry about the other matches or the other teams we know we're going to play the the south american team is that kind of an attitude because they're the only ones that are vaguely on a par so but but having said that all the other teams or the other team in our case that you have to play is always a potential banana skin because it's a bit like you know A bit like kind of cup football over here. You know, just because you're playing a non-league team doesn't mean they can't be organised, can't defend well, and can't Mm. hit you on the break and put a ball in the back of the net. If you're not at it, you know, if you're not 100% at it, they can catch you out. And it's a bit like that. So, you know, Mm. there's a bit of a squeaky bum moment against those. But really, it's about beating the South American team. And, you know, they're not bad. I mean, I I I think they're, on the whole, they're behind European teams on the level. But that's money. They just don't yeah. have the same kind of money, but they've got a lot of naturally talented players. We know this because half the Euro- European teams buy them. Yeah. You know, and Argentina aren't a bad national side. Brazil aren't a bad national side. So there's lots of talent there.
5: Um, right. Well, exactly, and you, um, know. you know, and obviously the question of can they do it at Stoke on a cold Tuesday night um, doesn't really come up as much anymore either. So, um, but you uh, know, it's fond
3: yeah. memories. De- oh, Deco, <laughs> God, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great
0: okay. when it was sunny. Yeah, he yeah. was, wasn't he? He was, wasn't he? I remember that. He
1: wore gloves in August, didn't he? Yeah,
0: he, he did, yeah. didn't he? And he's What a knob. Yeah, I know, yeah. So there you go. So <laughs> it is a weird competition, Chris, but i tell you what, mate, there is nothing, there's nothing, I mean, for us, the big thing was the fact that we've now won every trophy, you know, feasibly that we could win. And mm. I think for us, but I mean, you'll get this because you're a London boy, so you know how this works. For us as well, you know, to be in the same conversation, certainly historically now, as clubs like, uh, you know, Ajax, Juventus, Liverpool and Man United have both won it as well. And clubs yeah. like uh, Real Madrid haven't won it. You know, uh, no, hang on, they have won it. Barcelona haven't won it, isn't it? That's the one. You know, so it's it's, 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 it's quite something to be a Chelsea supporter who grew up seeing, seeing us lose to teams like Shrewsbury. And and uh, maybe even Cambridge, I seem to remember. Certainly, Carlisle. Mm. You know, to see that grow up with that, and then to see where it is now, it's quite something. It really is.
5: No, that's, that's that's you know, that's a really good point, a really good perspective on it. And you know, and I and I dare say a lot of people won't think about that when they when they look at it. Yeah. You know, the instinct is always just, oh, you know, it's it's Chelsea with their money winning another trophy. But it's not all about that, is it? It's about the journey you go on. Yeah. and you know a lot of teams have got a lot of money right now um and and you know that that no longer really holds any water so it's um yeah it's really great to see a, a you know an english club do as you know a, a, as a tremendous job as as, as chelsea have done oh God, um
0: very magnanimous of you Chris particularly when you've got a heavy cold mate I tell you, you get extra yeah, points for that that's for thanks sure thanks for that <laughs> um well look nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow of course which is the beauty of football and anything can I mean if you can beat city away mate, you can beat us at home I mean that's for sure so you know anything could happen um number one I hope your cold gets better soon thank you and uh, I look forward to seeing you back on here at some stage I mean unless we can we get you in the cup forgive me I don't know even though you, you're still in the cup
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to win that one. Okay. That's well, we, we might meet you year. on the way. We might have to get yeah, you back exactly. on the show. Yeah, exactly. That would be tremendous. I'd love uh, that. It would be a real
0: pleasure. I'd love that. Chris, take care, mate. Lovely to see yeah. you as always, and thanks so much Great. for joining us.
5: Great to see you all. Take care. Goodbye.
0: There you go. Chris Hambling from the wonderful Back of the Nest, an old mate of ours, and always always lovely to talk to Chris, isn't it, JK?
1: Yeah, he's, he's a warm man. You can tell that just by chatting sweet, warm, interesting man. Lovely.
0: But they all, they, I mean, all the people we get on, they all, they all get their football, you know, they all love their football, they get their football. And it's funny, you sit there listening to them and go, oh, actually, you know, I know, you know, we're, we're, we're different teams, but you, you, you can see you can see the, common, the commonality of it, you know. We, they, we all go through the same pain and the same joy, so there you go. Uh, talking of pain and joy, uh, JK, uh, there's a publication that's full of it every month, right?
1: A publication that's full of it every yeah, month? Yeah,
0: CFC UK. Oh yeah, the one that you write for. Chish. I do. I do actually write for them. Yeah, as do you. Most of the fan casts actually. Yeah, uh, they do. They write. Yeah, Mark, me, Clayton Beerman, uh, Dean Mears, of course. They all write for the uh, for the fanzine. Who are Have I forgotten yeah. anybody?
1: And it's only a pound, Jim.
0: It's only a pound. Hurry up. Hurry up. That's right. So there you go. You you all know where to get it. It's uh, you get it at the Fulham Broadway uh uh from. Well, you go out the Fulham Broadway tube exit, and it's uh, on one of the stalls opposite that on a match day. So you can go and get your copy there, as Jonathan said, for only a pound. Um, If it's an away match, you'll probably see Dave or many of the other sellers uh, wandering around going, hurry up, it's only a pound, and they have a bag full of them so you can get it in an away match. And, of course, you can also subscribe. Uh, I think it's fanzine at cfcuk.net for the email address. Uh, But it's something like, uh, you know, if you want hard copies, it's about 16 quid a year. If you're abroad, it's 35. In Europe, 35. The rest of the world, 45 quid. But email dave at fanzine at cfcuk.net and you can go and subscribe to it and you can get it as a PDF version as well, which is even cheaper. But best thing to do is go to a match, of course. Anyway, we will be back uh, to preview the Crystal Palace and Chelsea match uh, in a very short time.
5: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea
0: Football Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stanford Chidge, and I've got the absolutely delicious Alex Churchill. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ça va? Mm.
3: Me. Mere. You, you, did, me. you, did, you,
0: did you say med or mere? Yeah.
3: And I did the shrug, the French You did shrug. do a
0: Gallic shrug, I'll give you that.
3: They uh, don't teach that on Duolingo.
0: They don't, no, indeed. And, uh, of course, we've got the absolutely wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Boff.
3: What?
1: Boff.
0: Boff, what's that?
1: It's more French. Okay, not Frank Boff. Funnily enough, that wouldn't be a good idea, would it?
0: Well, he's he's a bit, you know, he's, yeah. he is no more, as they say. He's yeah, a, he's he's an ex, an ex, yeah,
1: he's an ex-Frank Boff.
0: So there we go. Uh, Weirdness on the Chelsea fan cast that you've all come to know, (laughs) love and expect. Uh, We'll get back to the football because we kind of are probably on safer ground there then. Um, And and oh, before I do, I knew I'd forget somebody. Well, I'm sure I didn't. I'm sure I mentioned Mark. Mark said, this is Mark. He's on on mix. He says, do I write for the fanzine? Can you get it from any good bookshop? Yes, Mark, you do write for the fanzine.
1: And I'm sorry. Has has Mark got a book out at the moment? Has has he got a book out? An old one. Is it an old one? An old one, yeah. yeah. What's that about then? About 1999, um, uh, 2000. Can you remember what it's called? Um, uh, Operation Blackbird. No. No, no, it's not that one, is it? No. Blue Uh, Tomorrow. Blue Tomorrow, that's exactly it. I knew it was similar. It's written by William Harrison. No, it's, it's not. It's written by.
0: by it's published by William Harrison, but it is be, available yeah. from all good bookshops, some crap ones, and also Amazon, which is much more reasonable. So there you go. Well done, Mark. Love you to pieces, mate. Uh, we'll have you on soon, no doubt. Now, guess what I forgot to do today, J.K. Um, put some clothes on. No, no. As you can see, I am actually wearing clothes.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, wear a hat in mm. the in the wind. I didn't go out actually because it was a bit windy. It was indeed. Um, what else could you've done? Um, uh, learn your your French uh, vocabulary.
0: No, I don't need to do that until I go to the Auvergne in September this year. Oh, okay. Now, I, I, uh, Alex, you gonna have a try?
3: I've got no idea.
0: Okay, you're all, you're all shit out of luck, as they say. I forgot to do the team selection, so I'm going to have to wing it. Oh, you haven't got we haven't got your little blue players. I you know. Mean. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: On the little prep you, document, oh, I know that's
0: that's the, that's Chelsea Palmeiras. Oh,
3: look, oh, okay.
0: well, we can look at that and pretend. Like now, I'm going to go for it because I think it will be along these lines. I think he will go. I think he will go strong. Although I have got, I have to say, I, I wonder if he'll have one eye on Lille, but I do think that he will go Mondi Silva. I think he'll go three at the back too, actually. But I think he'll go Mondi uh, Silva. Uh Christians, well, Rudiger, Silva, Christiansen or Aspie. Depends which one. He might if we're going three, he might actually be Rudiger, Silva, Christian with Aspie on the right centre back. Um I think he quite likes the I think I think Alonso might come back, actually, and he might be the left wing back.
1: Um, you don't think he'll play a doy then?
0: Well, if he doesn't, he'll play a doy. But I've got a sneaking suspicion he'll play he'll play Alonso. Uh in the middle, I think we will see the return of Jorginho. And I suspect we'll see. Kovacic because I think he'll want to play Kante on Tuesday against Lille and I think the easiest bit to pick arguably funnily enough is up front because I think he'll pick Havertz and Lukaku again. I think Pulisic
1: might start. Well he's good at giving people who've played well a go isn't he? He tends to do that and as we've established Pulisic had a fine game during the week. So I would agree with you there Cid. In fact I would agree with your selection.
0: Wow that's probably a f- the first time
1: ever. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Jorginho Kovacic, yeah. Alonso. Uh, no, I actually don't. I'm going to disagree. I think okay. he'll play a doy. I feel much com- more comfortable one, with that. The one difference. I think he'll play a doy on the left. Okay, fair enough. You- uh, he, 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 he wasn't bad. He, he, this bizarre thing that he had during the um, the uh, Palmiras game, as Liam kept going, Palmirash, um uh, of... Um, Every time he put the ball onto his right foot, he would uh, he would um, uh, kick it so it hit the corner flag the other side. And, and the goal, of course, he does his weaker left foot and, and absolutely perfect cross for Lukaku. That was a fine goal, Chidge. That was, it was a proper goal. Top draw, top draw, proper goal that was. I, I and I you spe- suddenly thought, yes, they can do it. Blimey. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, and I know we said this on Monday, but we all laughed with the next time he got down the ring, he immediately cut in on his right. But
1: um yeah, yeah I, they went up for a throw yeah, yeah.
0: exactly I, I spoke well no he just played it across the park again didn't he played it sideways but uh i spoke to kerry about that very briefly and he was loving it it was a proper proper old, we were saying proper old school goal you know very quick you know quick cross you know it makes such a difference if you do it with your natural foot because you gain an extra yard it gets yeah. in there quicker and even yeah. lukaku was ready for it and it was a brilliant header, proper old school proper football goal i loved it more of that please um we know Mount's not playing, Alex. Obviously, we, I've, I didn't really talk to Liam about Reece James, who is not yet uh, back fit. I don't think he's actually. I think he was back in training, and then he got flu, so he's he's not going to be playing on Saturday either. Um, so, are you, are you generally happy with that team? What I selected?
3: I am. I feel like this is a, a holding game. I feel this is just a like. Let's get this one over with. I don't. I, I honestly think it'll come down to not even necessarily the most tactical. I think it's whoever's least tired after all the travelling, whoever's got a spring in their step after all the travelling, because this is one we just, we should win it. We should. And I mean, Palace concede within the first 15 minutes of every game. So you would hope that even we could hit a barn door in that case. And I think we just need to get through it, don't we, for Lille and for the cup final the week after. So Honestly, think it is just going to be a little bit of a patch-up job.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a bit one of those kind of, you know. Yeah, he's
3: going to be picking this team with the other two games in mind. I think. Yeah, you think that? I
0: think you may be, you may well be right, particularly Tuesday. Uh, but it's annoying, really, because I know I know what you say about the travelling, and I think that's an interesting point. But they, then again, they've had a week to prepare for this, and they normally only get two days.
3: It's balmy, isn't it? That they haven't paid. Is it four weeks now since we played a game? Yeah. In the
0: I think it's about that, isn't it? I mean, as I yeah. said, the, the last, the last, the last Premier League game was Spurs, and that's got to be a month away, hasn't it? Yeah,
3: it's gonna... like four Sundays ago or something now, isn't it? So, I mean, you would hope that it's not going to make a difference, but I mean, who knows? Who knows? Not quite, not like, quite for, are...
0: not quite for. Well, actually, near enough. I mean, we played, we played Spurs. Last Premier League game on the twenty third of January.
3: Yeah, I mean, are there still vestiges of COVID flying around as well? I just, I think there'll be the the factor for selecting this team won't be selecting the best team he possibly can. Is what I'm saying. I think he'll do a team that can do the
1: job. Do you think he'll play Chalabar then instead of uh, one of the the back four, back three? There's yeah, poss- I mean, possibility.
3: Yeah. realistically, do you not think that Dave could have a day off?
1: Yeah, he might do that. He might do that.
0: I, I mean, a lot of it, I think a lot will depend. And I think actually what you're all saying about who might be less tired and all the rest of it, who might be want to be rested, will also depend on this. But or, or it will dictate whether he plays four at the back or three at the back. You know, I think if he plays three at the back, Dave starts. I think if he plays four at the back, Dave doesn't start. Because I think if he plays four at the back, you've got Chaloba or Christensen, or you've got Saar, and
1: he'll he'll play Saar at left back. Yeah, They're exactly. Right. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. It's dependent on that. I, I
0: agree. I think it is, isn't it? So it's going to be quite an interesting. So having been really buoyant about my brilliant team selection, I'm now kind of like taught myself back and saying I could have possibly no idea whatsoever, and it'll be completely different tomorrow, which is actually normally the case with the absolutely uber fantastic Thomas Tuchel. I mean, the re- the, re- the reality is, is we've got an absolutely brilliant record uh you'll not be surprised to hear against crystal palace uh, i think it's uh we're after our eighth consecutive ninth consecutive win if we win tomorrow and uh, i think Pulisic. there's a brilliant uh, pulisic stat somewhere that i've completely forgotten at the uh, crucial minute but now oh, here we go uh pulisic has scored five times against palace three times before half time so i mean other than the fact that I picked him anyway, I mean, I would love to see Poulos at start because he loves playing against Palace and he scores against them with gay abandon, it seems, JK.
1: Yes, yes. It's, those two words go well together, don't they? Gay and abandon. Yes, he... Um, uh, as I said earlier, I, I'm, I, surely he must play after his performance at the weekend because um, he was terrific. And he does like going with that, TT. He likes, if a player's playing well, he likes to give him a go. And the number of times players come in and they've been playing well, and they're absolutely dreadful for that game. But let's hope he's not, because he looked he looked on the pace, and uh, and I'd like him to get, as we all would, back to that standard that he had two years ago. As we keep talking about, that was the that was his own benchmark. Unfortunately, he was so terrific, we really wanted to get up to that level because that was top banana.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know, I know what you're saying, Alex, and I, and I think you may well be right that it might be a bit of a scrappy, get over the line type of game because there's bigger fish to fry over the over the coming week. But, but um, you know, things have changed inevitably since we've been away. I mean, the one good thing is is that these uh, teams that had games in hand on us, uh, I think only Arsenal have still got games in hand on us. None of them have really, none of them have overtaken us, and of course, everybody was saying Spurs were going to overtake us. That worked well, didn't it? Um, but um, we're in this kind of weird position where it's still, still, we've got a four point. Is it? Hang on, I, I should. I've actually got the the table here, but we've got a we've got a a slight lead over West Ham. I think in fourth. Man United have crept up back up to fifth. Of course, here we go. Yeah, Man United are are four points behind us, but they've played a game more than us, as have West Ham, who are six behind us. So Arsenal are on 39, having played two less than us, so they're still relatively far away. But, you know, our form in the league's been a bit weird, hasn't it? Because, I mean, you know, we've won, I think, only one of our last five league games, uh, which doesn't sound very good. But on the other hand, we're unbeaten in our last five games overall, and of course we know that there've been a lot of draws in that. But I mean, my feeling is that this is this is time for for a reset. Really, there's no no more distractions like uh, well, obviously the Caribou Cup next weekend, but we're not having a jaunt off to Abu Dhabi. And they really need to improve on on, on the league form that we were experiencing over Christmas and a bit of January. And they really need to find some cons- consistency. And I and I the other thing I would say is that. I think now everybody's a bit more bunched up. There's no margin for error. So they can't really afford to screw up in too many of these league games if we want to stay in the top four. Alex?
3: No, absolutely. We can't. Um, it's, it's, it's We're kind of in a limbo spot at the moment, aren't we? We're not going to catch the top well we're definitely not going to catch City we're not sort of right up behind second and we're not I think your notes said it we're not sort of being caught by the others at this stage either at the moment but I just you don't want to get sucked back down do you well you lose a
0: game you shouldn't and suddenly you are I mean because it's, yeah. it's, it's close enough for that I mean Liverpool like you said we're seven points behind them so we've got a we've got to win three that they don't you know and they've got to lose three I just look at it
3: though, and like Palace, like statistically Palace conceded the first 15 minutes and Palace can't score more than one goal and Palace can't do that. Palace can't, And you just know, you just know that they'll end up scoring three goals and that we won't be able to find the back of the net uh, for love nor money or some clownery um, that only Chelsea could pull off in a game that statistically we should win without even like employing much effort. Just never happens, does it?
1: Or we, or we score four and take them to the cleaners.
3: Yeah, and then get turned over next week in a really stupid manner
1: by Leal and then by
3: uh, Don't say it,
1: don't say it. No, no, don't say it. Sorry, don't, don't, <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I know what you mean. Chelsea are always incapable of the most incredible stupidity at any given moment of time. But I, I have a little bit of. I, okay, I, I, there are some unknowns here. We don't quite know. If they over-celebrated after winning the World Cup, we don't know how much the travelling's taken out of them. We don't know how much the climate change will screw them up because it's going to be horrible weather tomorrow, as we all know. So those are factors, obviously. But I do think on the other scale, they've got they've had a week's worth of training, which they don't normally get. They normally get a couple of days too cool is too good a bloody manager i mean you know he'll be on that touchline kicking the shit out of them if they underperform and we've got people we can bring on if they're if the if the 11 he picks are not performing and we have a ridiculously good record against palace as i said we have won eight on the trot you know um and the other thing i'm going to throw this stat at you this is this is this will kill it this is the kill or cure stat all right um well- all four English teams that competed in the uh, Club World Cup since it adopted its current format in 2005 ended up winning their first Premier League match after returning.
3: Oh, you fool, Chidge. Why did you <laughs> say that? Because now I just, oh, now we'll go out of our way to fuck it up, won't we?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I—I'm I, honestly,
3: look, I tell you what, I'm so You're
0: confident. You're sounding like me, Alex.
3: You're yeah. sounding like me. Yeah. But the risk of complete knobbery from a punditry perspective, it's going to go one of two ways, isn't it? We're either going to completely like naff it up or we're going to smash them. Um And I, I'm not going to guess which one it well, is. Are you look- sure it
1: might just be a tepid 1-1 one, one, then? It might just be that because that appears to be what happens a lot at the moment, which was we, can te- we completely dominate games and Lukaku wanders around like a cement Well, mixer. yeah,
0: but you, you see, here's the thing. You've got to also factor in a couple of other things here. Lukaku scored two goals out in Abu Dhabi. Yes. He, he. We both commented that when we won the thing, when we won the trophy, he looked far more part of it than he has done for weeks. So maybe... And he, he looked
3: awake.
0: He did look awake. Uh, but, you know, I said beforehand, JK, I said, you know, look... It's also a good opportunity for them to get away from everything over here and bond a little bit. So maybe yeah. maybe that's, you know, maybe he's feeling a bit more part of it now. Maybe they've forgiven him a bit. He scored two goals in two matches. He's a striker. That's going to give him some confidence, hopefully. Kai Havertz has, you know, delivered his second trophy with a goal in his very short career so far he's going to be feeling great and Pulisic put in a really good display and maybe feeling that he's you know earned his place again and he's won another trophy so 5-0 then chief okay i'm getting it up can can i get can i get you up to a 6 jk can i see a 6 <laughs> no just no, just right. almost but no but thank you i mean give i'm going to go sorry sorry alex i talked over you sorry
3: no i was just going to say you'll give him a nosebleed don't try will, and get him up I will six. Well, look, I,
0: I am feeling quite confident actually, which of course is a very worrying thing for everybody I know, but and I I've done this in the Premier League predictions as well. I've gone for 3-0. I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident we're going to going to win tomorrow. So there we go. I'm going to go 3-0. JK. Uh 3-1. 3-1.
1: All
0: right.
3: Alex. I'm going to go Palace scoring first, Everybody's shit in their pants and us winning 2-1. Okay. Very difficult.
1: Okay, so yeah. It seems to be part for the course at the moment though, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah that's
0: it's good. It's a very sensible prediction as well. Yeah. I think not just in terms of the scoreline, but how it might go. But I, I know I've got high hopes for tomorrow, which is always a, the death knell. So I apologise to everybody in advance for scuppering it totally. But there you go. Well, we'll find out, won't we, sooner or later. Well, we'll find out tomorrow at about 10 to 5, I think, won't we? But uh, everybody who's going, are you going to... I mean, I know you
3: hate Crystal Palace. So are you going? Oh, uh, yes. You so are going. I am, but yeah, I do hate it. I will, I will inevitably be stuck behind the post. It's a horror. I, I quite—I mean, it's horrible, but I quite like the palace away. I've
0: got to be honest. You know, well, I, I used can't... to live just
3: around the corner, yeah. so
0: it, it brings me no joy whatsoever. Yeah. Faunt and Eve, Fawn and Eve. But uh, I, actually, if I'd have known you were going, you could have, you could have, uh, we could have put you in touch with the delightfully li- delicious Manon David, who's but, been. Yeah. You two are smitten, aren't you? Well, I am. Jonathan's pleading the fifth on that one. He, he's, <laughs> he's agnostic, apparently. I, I've fallen badly, but... Uh, I haven't seen a picture of her. Oh, I'll show you later, mate. Well, I've got a number.
3: It also, also doesn't help that she didn't answer his email. Yeah. Uh, i very dare she, No, Jacob. but she
0: only didn't answer his email after I sent her a link to his uh, fan bites. Ouch. You know.
4: No,
1: no, I, I don't have any ouchery. No, 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 no.
0: I, I thought it was, you know, I thought if you want to see how good we are, look at the fan bite, mate. If you can't, understand, she's probably French. She probably didn't understand it anyway. Anyway, you've, you completely made me lose my thread. um Right. You're going, Alex. That I do know. JK, you're going. Obviously, I know that.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, okay. In fact, my my daughter wanted to come, but I can't get her a ticket. So it's a real shame.
0: That's a shame. Well, enjoy it. And I'm sure you will bring back the three points. Uh, and uh, JK and I will be back on uh, Monday evening, back to the normal slot on a Monday evening, apart from one important fact, which I'll tell you in a minute. But uh, that's when uh, we're going to do the main Chelsea fan show. And guess what? We've got the return of the Smut Buddies. So Alex is going to be seeing us again, which is great news. And Tony Glover right now. The slight change is that it's going to be starting at 8 o'clock, there or thereabouts, uh, because JK and I are going to be tarting ourselves uh, up for the BBC again at 7 o'clock, aren't we, JK?
1: We are. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, with Aaron. Yes, indeed. Yes,
0: I'm going to do a bit of BBC love in BBC London, BBC Radio London. We did it before Christmas, I think, the last time we did it. So we're going to do an hour with them. You can phone up as well. So watch out on my Twitter feed on Monday, Monday and I'll give you all the details for that. You can phone us up, have a chat with us. We'll be on with Aaron doing an hour's Chelsea talk on BBC Radio London between 7 and 8, and then we'll go straight into here. And do uh, and do a Chelsea fan cast. So there we go. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, indeed. Um, and obviously in that, in that we're going to be talking about the Palace match and of course we're going to be looking ahead to the Lille game on the Tuesday. So there we go. A busy, packed Monday night for us and I can't wait already. Brilliant. Uh, Alex, oh, I mean, how delightful to see you. Always lovely to see you and I look forward to seeing you again on Monday and enjoy the game tomorrow.
3: Yay, lovely dude.
0: Lovely, thank you. And uh, as, as always, JK, a delight to
1: see you too. Great frontage. Great show. Love it. Thank you.
0: Lovely, jubbly. And also, everybody who's listening on Mixler, great to see you guys too. We'll see you again on Monday. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. See you next week. Till then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills.
4: Hey, oh, yeah, chill. Chill. yeah, yeah, yeah.